This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This, 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 this. Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 830. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA preview for the weekend coming up. We'll sprinkle in a little bit of MMA news as well. Uh, ahead of everything that's going on in Toronto. Before we get stuck into that, though, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. All the audio feeds are there. And you can also get us on YouTube, Fight Disciples. If you're a subscriber on YouTube, thank you very much. If you're not a subscriber on uh, on YouTube, come on, man. Get a part of the party. Help us grow the community. All you got to do is hit the button. And you can also comment on here as well. Uh, with all the stuff that we talk about, it's always good to get your feedback and your thoughts on some of the topics that we do tackle. Looks cold in Toronto, doesn't it, mate? It looks absolutely Baltic. I thought it was cold here. Well, it is cold here. It was minus four last night. It's freezing, but in Toronto, it looks insane. Weirdly enough, I'm getting this weird commentary from North America at the moment because a mate of mine who lived in Toronto, lived there for over 15 years, him and his missus, they bought a house in Banff, which is the other side of Canada pretty much. So they're currently on a, right now they're on a road trip. So I'm going to give them a quick shout out because they'll be listening to the podcast to, certainly to pass some time. They're doing like a four day trip driving from Toronto to their new home in Banff. But they've got to go through like Chicago, like right through the top, Minnesota, Minnesota, like the top shelf of, of America. And as you can imagine, this time of year, the weather is just insane. He keeps sending me pictures of just huge, big lorries just sliding off the roads on the highways and all kinds. He sent me a picture yesterday of them standing outside, um, what's it called? The the, the mountain with the four faces on. Mount Rushmore. Sent me a picture of them standing outside. Sent me that picture, yeah. You know what? Any American listeners here, this is not to upset anyone, but I thought it'd be bigger. He sent me a picture. I thought it'd be bigger. Anyway, uh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so they're on a journey now. Glenn, Sarah, Zach, good luck. Enjoy it. Stay safe. But talk about cold, mate. Where they were the other day was minus 12. So, Jesus. Insane. They're used to it, though. They're used to it. <laughs> Proper weather. Seasons. Seasons, yeah. Uh, it does look a little bit does look a, bit, uh, a little bit chilly out in Toronto at the moment. Uh, before we get stuck into uh, previewing UFC 297, let's tackle some of the big news stories that have been going on in the world of MMA. You might have missed this overnight. A uh, bit of bad news for the unluckiest man in MMA, Laurent Murphy. Um, we know that he was scheduled to be fighting Dan Ige. We were all dead excited about that. This was going to be the year at 145 for Laurent Murphy. He's ranked number 15 in this division to really start kick on and start going through these rankings and maybe get himself towards that top five by the back end of 2024. He yeah. has sadly had to pull out um, of that co-main event uh, with injury. Hopefully he can get rescheduled. Hopefully he can get himself uh, another ranked fighter of the ilk of Dan Ige. Maybe even Dan Ige himself. You never know. Uh, but bad news and sad news uh, for uh, Laurent Murphy. He doesn't seem to be able to get a break, man. <laughs> He's he, like I said, he's the most unluckiest dude that you'd ever come across. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I think he's been in the UFC now. We were there for his, his UFC debut against Tukhogov, uh, on Fight Island in 2019. Um, which is the only blemish on his record, actually, that draw, which he should have won. He won rounds two and three, in my opinion. But since then, he's had one, two, three, four, five. This is his sixth fight that he's had cancelled either due to injury to himself or injury to his opponent. It's just massively unlucky, man. I'm gutted for Lerone, really am, because talent-wise, he's got everything. 
and he's got the star power as well. He's a good-looking kid. He talks really well. His backstory's incredible. He can fight like fuck. And I really thought he was going to have a push this year, and I really thought, expected him to be top 10 ranked by the end of the year. So I just hope it's nothing too serious and hope that, as you say, if not Dan Ige, somebody else in the top 15 before before the summer. Yeah. <clears throat> I know that we kind of touched upon this on the boxing show, but uh, the show that was scheduled for March the 2nd in Saudi Arabia, UFC show, uh, has been postponed, uh, pushed back to June. Uh, that show now on March the 2nd will be taking place at the Apex. Uh, is, and June, the, is it TBC for June now as well? They haven't yeah. officially announced it for June. We're just saying, uh, no, we no. might do it in June. Well, this is all, with all due respect, this has all come from Ariel. Ariel Hawani has allegedly spoken to Turkey Alshiek and got this information uh, according to uh, his programme. Uh, June uh, in Saudis. Ooh, that's a different kettle of fish, man, compared to March weather-wise. Right yeah. And um, the reason for it is that the card allegedly wasn't strong enough, which uh, is a, is a, is an interesting take, isn't it? It was a fight night at the end of the day that they were scheduled to be having on March the 2nd. We had spitballed a few uh, different uh, athletes that could be involved in something like that. And Islam Makhachev, for example. Yeah. Uh, Hamzat Shemayev, maybe, for example. But uh, we don't know what was on the card. We don't know what was uh, programmed for that particular Main card. Events. We do know that Mohamed Mokhaev was supposed to be on there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with the card uh, and what then gets dished up for Saudi Arabia later on this year. Are they going to get a numbered card? You know, I, I, think, I think the interesting thing here is the fact that um, it was cancelled, postponed, whatever you want to call it, the same within hours, days maybe, day or two of the PFL Bellator hybrid card, which was confirmed for Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, the best, probably the best card Bellator, uh, uh, PFL, sorry, could possibly have done, you know, four Bellator champions taking on four PFL champions. It's kind of like their flagship event. And okay, we're talking about, you know, a level below the UFC, of course. This is a Europa League level, but still to get four unification fights, it's probably the biggest thing PFL could have delivered delivered for Saudi Arabia and the UFC were giving them a fight night. So may, maybe that's into the thinking a little bit that it's like, you know, we want, we want the big show. Well, the big show, unfortunately, there's a relationship already in the Middle East with Abu Dhabi that has been going for, you know, best part of a decade. So, you know, the UFC are quite loyal in that regard that they're not just going to jump straight over. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out because, you know, we've just done a a boxing show this morning, which was very pro Saudi, Mr. Turkey and, and all the amazing things. That's almost like the savior of boxing in some ways. It's going to be in, interesting to see what their long-term influence is like in the sport of MMA. Obviously they've got a financial investment in the PFL, we're led to believe, but also their involvement with the powerhouse of the sport of MMA, which is the UFC. Cause it's all going well, you know, putting on PFL versus Bellator, but we all know, everybody knows, there's nothing quite like the UFC when it comes to the sport of mixed martial arts. So I don't think it's uh, done, but I'd be surprised if it's June, maybe something later in the year. I'm just looking at that card that you just been talking about, PFL versus Bellator, because it is big. Let's be dead straight about it. I mean, obviously, they've unified together. They came in uh, under all one umbrella. We're mm -hmm. still trying to figure out how some of these things are, are all going to happen. We're being told by Don Davis, who is the main man at PFL, that we're going to get stellar cards at least once per month, which is great news. You know, we want proper competition. You want to see proper fights on a regular basis on something other than the UFC because competition enables then the premier guys to obviously kick on again. You see it in football, for example. Liverpool up the game, Manchester City up the game, Arsenal up yeah. the game. It leads to good competition, and then fight fans obviously get more out of it. I'm just having a nosy at the fights that they announced uh, the the other day, obviously, as you just said. There's champions versus champions, but there's also other fights on there that are uh, incredibly exciting. It's a little bit disappointing that we haven't got uh, Cyborg against Kayla Harrison. I think a lot of fight fans would have loved to have seen that. I'm led to believe that it's because Kayla Harrison's injured. She's out at the moment. 
uh, and she's rehabilitating, trying to get herself uh, fit and ready to rock and roll. She said that she wants the fight. I think she's got one fight left on her uh, PFL contract, of which she wants it to be Cyborg. Fingers crossed that that does happen because that would be something pretty special. Obviously, that's a uh, a kick in the in the teeth for Liam McCourt, who was supposed to be you know, heading towards a, a cyborg fight. Mm -hmm. But obviously this uh, amalgamation of these two companies has come together and produced something uh, very interesting. Jesus Pinedo against uh, Pitbull, Patricio Pitbull. I think he's a really, really interesting fight. Everybody knows that we're all <laughs> high on Johnny Eblen in the middleweight division. Yeah. And he's going to be taking on Impa Casignani, who is obviously a former UFC uh, Hedon Ferreira is absolute mustard, taking on Ryan Bader, a name that is familiar with a lot of people. Uh, and then you've got uh, Magomed Kerimov, who everybody knows about, is taking on uh, Jason Jackson. There's loads of decent stuff in here. Diego Santos against Yo Romero, two old stalwarts of uh, of the UFC. Claire mm. Collard against AJ McKee. Listen, man. What's not to like about this? And then as you go a little bit further down, you've got a bit of name well, value with the likes of Clarissa Shields. I know that she's not necessarily fighting anybody that you would go, wow, but Clarissa Shields coming out of boxing back into MMA. Aaron Pico's on this card. Huge fans of Aaron Pico. Biagio Ali Walsh is also on this card. Um, I think it's brilliant. I really do. I look at it and I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, for one, will absolutely be tuning in and watching it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Adam Pico. We've spoken about him many, many times over the last few years and I'm delighted he's on this card and delighted Clarissa's stepping over to MMA. I think she said she's going to try and have three MMA fights this year. That's incredible from the female go out from boxing. Mate, if, you, if you've got Clarissa Shields and Aaron Pico on the prelims of this card, that just shows you how good, how good it is. Because <laughs> we're used to seeing those guys on the main cards and them, you know, it not being necessarily the most attractive thing from a Bellator point of view when we've seen those cards come together. Now that the PFL have taken over, listen, they, they, they talked big. They've took, yeah. you know, and, they've and they talked big for a short period of time and they delivered. They delivered in Europe last year. We're all delighted with what happened with the European Challenger Series. We've all been happy uh, with the big tournaments that they put together where Brendan obviously ended up becoming champion. The, comp the competition level in those competitions uh, was fantastic. And they've talked big with this merger. First up, here you go. Mate, mm -hmm. if this is the sign of things to come, that's a really good thing. Yeah. They need to do this across the... The good thing is, whatever happens on on the night, you've got, hopefully, all being well, you've got four people emerging as the champions. So mm. that's a that's a good way to get rid of the Bellator branding because, boom, it, it doesn't exist anymore. Maybe you do a second show and do the rest of the weight divisions. But I'm hoping this is the way it's going. This is being billed as a PFL Super Fights card. And when you read the original press release, there was a lot of, oh, there's a Super Fights branch. There's a, um, you know, there's a, a, a yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? Branch. It there's is confusing. There's the European events. There's these events. I'm hoping with the influence of Saudi Arabia and again, Mr. Turkey that we spoke about on the boxing show, hopefully he encourages them to just make it a little bit cleaner. One weight, one champion. Fantastic. Brilliant. To push in the right direction. You can't argue that they've delivered to Saudi Arabia the kind of card that probably the UFC was hoping for. Four title fights is absolutely massive. So, yeah, that's a great card. Really good. Really excited for that. And that's on Feb 24th as well. We haven't even got to wait long for it. Yeah. What's your favorite fight? Um, Huge fan of Johnny Eblen, man. He's an absolute yeah, he's mustard, machine. Is he? He's mustard. Absolute machine. But then again, Jason Jackson's coming off that massive win, isn't it? You know, he kind of come from nowhere and just absolutely starched Amosov. Yeah. That's, what, that's the one for me, because I want to know if that's a fluke. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Jason Jackson versus Magad Karimov is, mate, that's a proper fight. Magad really... Karimov is legit and he's going for revenge <laughs> for his country, man. And Jason Jackson could starch another one. And then the welterweight division truly does belong to Jamaica on a global scale. Yeah, man. You know? So <laughs> there you go. But yeah, there you listen, go. And from a from an old school point of view, of course I want to see Tiago Santos fight your Romero. <laughs> of course I do. Just Look don't drug you. test them. Don't drug <laughs> test them, whatever you do. But of course I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um We've also had a few announcements regarding uh, UFC 300, which everybody's spitballing about and getting excited about. So we've got, listen, really good stuff there from the PFL. 
uh, and Bellator's Knight of Champions. Obviously, gutted that Cyborg and Kayla are not on that, but everything else that we've just been talking about, listen, it's exciting times, and that's coming up at the end of March. We know that um, midway through April, we're going to get UFC 300, and we've got, obviously, 297 this weekend. We'll get into that in a minute. 298 looks absolutely outstanding. 298 out of all the cards that they've announced so far for me is the killer one. You've got 299 coming through in Miami, and then you've obviously got the 300 card. Now, let's quickly just spitball about 300, because on 300, Dana White... He comes up, doesn't he? Right, lads, here we go. Justin Gaethje is taking on Max Holloway at UFC 300. The BMF belt is going to be on the line. We're going to do it over five rounds. He doesn't say that it's the main event. He just says that that's happening and it's going to be happening over five rounds. Great. We've already got one title fight on there as well already. In Jingwei Lee taking on Yan Zhao Nan, which everybody's dead excited about too. But my question then, off the back of that announcement, mate, is... Who is fighting Islam Makachev? Now, Islam Makachev comes out on social media and he says, right, obviously you're not getting your acts together before Ramadan, so I'm going to be back in June and I'll probably fight at the back end of the year as well. In June, Justin Gaethje. That's who I'm fighting. He says this on his own social media. That's who I'm fighting. Then I'll take on the winner of Oliveira Sarukian at the back end of the year, probably in Abu Dhabi. Right, great. Superb stuff. Everybody's happy. We know what's happening with the lightweight division. Brilliant. Justin Gaethje, can't grumble at that. He's, he probably deserves it, to be fair, to be getting uh, a shot at the title. It just goes to show what Justin is all about, putting at risk that opportunity. Now, I'm not saying that He's going to get beat against Max. I would favour him in the fight, given what I've seen recently. But he could break his hand. He could get nasty cuts. He, he could get injured. And putting that at risk with a with only a two-month window when there's a title on the line just goes to prove everything that you need to know about Justin Gaethje. Fighters fight. And in the UFC, fighters fight. And I'm sure that he's getting well recompensed for it. And I'm sure that there's obviously... You know, the notoriety of being on a UFC 300 card and putting your BMF belt on the line and having a five-rounder against another future Hall of Famer in Max Holloway. I'm sure there's all those particular things. But how many people would sit on the backside and navigate this situation and go, well, hang on a minute. Islam says I'm fighting for the title in, in June, so I'm just going to sit here. I'll, I'm going to wait for my title shot. Thank you very much. Not Justin Gaethje. Real one, mate. It's a sensational fight. I'm, I'm really interested to see Max Holloway have another go at 155. Can he really make that move now? Because he had a dip in, didn't he? He had a little go with Dustin Poirier and he fell short when he was on his hot streak at 145. Can he do it now at 155? Is he going to stay at 155? Is he going to go back down to 145? I'm sure his decision will be made off the back of the Volkanovski to Poirier uh, result when that comes through at 298. Mate, I think it's a brilliant fight and it's a fight for the fans. It's a mega fight, obviously. BMF belt. Unreal, Max even that aside. I, mean, I know that's below. a little bit. Of, I know that's a little bit of spark. Yeah, but they, but they are BMFs, that... though. They yeah, I get BMFs. that. Their attitude of BMFs, they're both badasses. And the fact that it's over five rounds—that's what it gives us. It gives us twenty-five minutes potentially of action. Whether it goes that way is a different story. Both these guys know how to finish. Max's boxing is absolutely incredible, and Justin Gaethje proved against Fazeev that his kickboxing is fucking unbelievable, as well as his chin. Um, the, the, the potential fight, Islam's talking about June 30th, which is International Fight Week, which is, we're led to believe it's going to be Conor no, McGregor. He was, no, he, was, he said June 8th. He said the first week of June. Oh, right. Okay. So he's insinuating that there's another pay-per-view in that month is what he's insinuating. Okay. Right. Okay. So we don't have a destination for that yet. But and that's, that and that's why I was flagging Saudi's up the Saudi Arabian situation. Or Sa are they going to do a pay-per-view in Saudi on the first week of June. Right. So that's... But again, the, the, there's issues there with because the, the Abu Dhabi would be like, oh, wait a minute. Islam yeah. defends his belt in Abu Dhabi in October. That's what we do. That's what we look forward to. That's what we pay for. Of course, of course. So there's a minefield there to cross. But uh, listen, Justin Gaethje's a fighter, man. He's always been that guy. If you say to him, we want you on 300, we want you to defend your BMF belt over five rounds against Max Holloway. Don't give a damn what Islam's saying. What Islam says and what the UFC do aren't necessarily the same thing. Islam's saying what he wants. I would like this and I would like that. So, man, we're doing us. We'll do the UFC and we'll fit you in your wants and wishes in around our desires. I think it's a magnificent fight. And if you're Justin Gaethje, you go, you know what? Okay, well, fight second week in April. Potentially fight first week in June. 
still gives me six, seven weeks. Okay, that's sound. It's no problem. Um, so I could see that timeline still fitting anyway. But also, I, I just feel like you've got the BMF belt, five rounds. You've got Oliveira versus Tsurukian, five-round final eliminator for the lightweight title. And you've got Jiang Wiley versus Yao Nan, five rounds for the for the women's strawweight title. And I still don't think we've got a main event yet. We haven't. We haven't got a main event yet. And that's the beautiful thing about it. When you actually look at this card and you see people online going, oh, it's crap, it's this. It's th what are you talking about? Look, Analyze this card firstly. First and foremost, you're welcome. Jim Miller, got you, son. <laughs> um, Jim Miller, Bobby Green's a great fight. And, yeah, and you know is. what? It flies in the face of what I said Monday when I was like, yeah, man, just give Jim Miller fun fights, man. Just give him the fun stuff. And UFC have gone, we'll give him the fun stuff. But we'll also get him a ranking because he yeah. deserves a ranking. He's five yeah. and one for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's a proper fight, man. Uh, Jim Miller, Bobby Green, proper fight. Davison Figueredo, former champion against former champion in this particular weight division, Cody Garbrandt. That is ridiculous. Bo Nichols taking on Cody Brundage. Okay, out of everything that I'm about to announce, that's probably the one that you'd look at and go, hmm. Calvin Cater's taking on Aljamain Sterling, who's stepping up in weight. Yuri Prohachka against Alexander Rakic. Charles Oliveira against Armin Sarukian. Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway, five rounds. Jingwei Li, Yan Xiaonan, five rounds, right? How many performance bonuses, fighting the night bonuses are on that card? How high is the finish percentage rate on that card? It is absolutely ridiculous. As yeah. Nick's just alluded to there. The main event has not been announced. So the main event's still to come. We don't know what that's going to be. There's loads of talk that it might be light heavies. There's loads of talk that it might be retro. There's loads of different bits and bats going forward. But I'm telling you now, the main event for this has not been announced. That has not finished. So with that in mind, when they announce the main event, four of those fights that I've just spoken about are on the prelims. Mm -hmm. Four of them. They're all main events on fight nights. They're all main events on the second tier down. They're all main card fights on a pay-per-view. But four of them yeah. are going on to the prelims. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a conversation because it's a, it would likely to be a five-fight main card. So you've got the three five-rounders that are obviously on the main card, I would have thought. You've yeah. got a main event still to come, which I think will either be... I think the the potentially trying to speak to Peheya about doing Peheya versus Ankalaev. We know that they've already sounded out Leon Edwards against Bilal, but I think they'd yeah. rather go with the light heavies, me. Um, so then you're looking at Aljamain Sterling, the former world champion, fighting on the prelims. Cody Garbrandt and Davis and Figueredo, two former UFC champions, both fighting on the prelims. Yeah. I, it's just former champion fighting on the prelims. It's just insane. It is insane. And it is mad that people are, there's some negativity towards it because I think it's shaping up to be amazing. It's absolutely outstanding. You put one big title fight on top of all that. Yeah. Mate, you've got, you've got the card of the year. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. Yeah. Still to come, kids. Still to come. In fact, uh, send me your DMs of which fight you'd like me to pitch towards Dana White to see if uh, we can make that happen. I, I, I promise I won't do any acting because it seems to work when I don't do acting. I'm only messing. Yeah. Uh, listen, fantastic uh, that Jim Miller has got that opportunity. He was on 100, 200. It was a no-brainer. It was yeah. just who you're going to put him against. Fucking hell. <laughs> Bobby Green. Yeah, mega. It's a great fight. It's, it's a great fucking mega. Brilliant. It is a great fight. Uh, so when that gets announced, we'll obviously make some reaction stuff for you. So make sure you subscribe to us here uh, on Fight Disciples, which leads us in nicely to UFC 297. Sean Strickland versus Drikas Duplessis. Who would have thought? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Who would have thought that this time last year we'd all be sat here going, right, first middleweight title fight next year is going to be Sean Strickland versus Zerikas Duplessis. You'd have all laughed in everybody's faces because there were so many questions still about those guys, uh, especially Zerikas. Could he, could he mix it at the very top level? Both of them proved it. Both of them came up with unbelievable upset victories in 2023. And despite what anybody says, they both absolutely deserve to be here. They beat the best guys. They've both mm-hmm. beaten the number... Well, one's beaten the number one, and mm-hmm. one's beaten the number two. And hence, they are in this position now to fight out uh, for the world title. You all saw me start the other day. This is the first middleweight title fight since Bispin versus GSP that has not involved Israel Adesanya. Madness. And that was 2017, back end of 2017. And for people flagging up Whitaker versus Yo Romero, it was a non-title fight because Yo Romero missed weight. Uh, I think it's UFC 225, that. Uh, Izzy made his debut, by the way, at UFC 221. So he he made his debut in the UFC after the last title fight that took place that didn't involve him. And he had five non-title fights before he got his shot. Madness. Greatness is what it is. So, Never mind absolute battles. greatness. Mate, people dog on Izzy. People give him shit all the time, yeah? That, I don't think it's over, as I've said on the our prediction show on TNT Sports. That era, that Israel, it was the Israel Adesanya era. I don't care what anybody says. That's what that was. He fought all the top dudes. He did it on a yeah. regular basis, every three to four months. <clears throat> he had a ridiculous amount of fights in such a short period of time. And he... He delivered time and time and time again, okay? He wasn't great last time out against Sean Strickland. Even by his own admission, he wasn't great last time out against Sean Strickland. He was awful. But that one bad one compared to every... Even when he got beat off Alex Pereira, he was beating Alex Pereira. Mm -hmm. He was winning the fight. Alex Pereira put it on him in the last round and ended up stopping him, didn't he? Against Jan Blakowicz, he won at least... Well, he won two rounds in that fight. Jan Blackwich had to change his style up in order to beat him mm-hmm. at light heavyweight. So don't come at me about the Israel Adesanya. Ah, he's not all that. Listen, man, that dude well-rested, that dude well-thought out, that dude coming back fresh as a daisy, he could be back by the back end of the year. But for now, we have a title fight that doesn't involve him. And we've got two dudes that had a bit of beef, but seem to have quashed that beef. Have you been watching any Embedded this week? They seem to be mates again. It won't last. It certainly won't last because Strickland is uh, mad as a box of frogs. Um, yeah, it, listen, it's it's funny because it, it feels weird that we are getting a, a middleweight title fight without Izzy involved because Izzy is still around and he's still Izzy. He's still the best middleweight on the planet, isn't he? So why hasn't he got the belt? And the reason he hasn't got the belt is he was awful in Sydney. When Strickland went to Sydney, Izzy was awful. He didn't do anything. He didn't pull a trigger. He kept moving backwards. He had the worst game plan I've seen from any champion in a long time. And when they needed to go and they needed to pull the trigger, some of the conversations with Eugene Berman were really interesting and really strange. There was no urgency to go out and hold on to the belt. It was such a weird pedestrian performance from Adesanya that it still shocks me that it even happened. I'm still shocked that Sean Strickland is carrying the UFC middleweight belt around with him. And that's the weird thing because I'm like, I go into this fight and I'm like, ah. okay, Strickland did his job. He went to Sydney. He went for it. Put his balls on the line. Pulled up his Philly shell. Walked forward and walked Adesanya down. And very little came back the other way. And it was like all his Christmas has come at once. And he rides off with the middleweight belt, and he's gone stratospheric with his with his rep, with his uh, with his persona ever since. But I still think about that fight, and I think about it, and all I can think about is what was Izzy doing? What was Izzy doing? Like, 
I've never seen him fight like that before. I've never seen him that pedestrian, that one-dimensional. What was he thinking? What was going through his mind? Mate, what's going on in his life? He had the DUI situation going on. He had all sorts going on. There's loads of bits and bats. You can only judge the 25 minutes that we saw, can't we? Of course. That's all we can judge. And that's my everlasting thought process from that moment to now. I know Strickland's got the belt, but is he, man? Why? What happened? What did he do? What was going on? What? Why did we get to that position? Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the guy on the other side of the cage, I'm like, he's the fucking dude. He battered Robert Whittaker. Battered him. He did. wasn't like Robert Whittaker didn't turn up. It wasn't like Robert Whittaker had the wrong game plan and looked flat and pedestrian in second gear and let someone ride off with his belt and his, and, his, and take a win from him, whatever. All I remember from Drickers Duplessis last time I seen him is he looked incredible against mm. me for what I believe was the best overall technical fighter in the middleweight division. Whitaker for me is the most well-rounded guy. He's the guy. It's just, it's just is he's got his number. That's just going to be Robert's place in the world. And then Drickers come along and battered him in every department. Too strong, too big, too forceful. Smashed them up against the fence. Effectively made Robert Whittaker quit on his back. Never seen that. And I'm like, wow, wow. Give this guy a title shot. Give this guy a title shot. What's he going to do to Izzy? Izzy's going to have to be on his A game to beat him. Strickland stepped in. I'm like, Sean Strickland, man. Izzy will walk him onto him just like Perheya did. Too predictable, too one-dimensional, easy. Is he doesn't turn up. Strickland makes off with the belt. The world gets turned upside down, inside out. But when all that settles down, when all the noise of this week settles down, you kind of rise above it. For me, Sean Strickland isn't on the same level as Drickers Duplessis. He's not on the same level. Technically, Drickers is just a way better fighter. I've seen it against Robert Whittaker. He's incredible. He's the guy. He deserves the shot. He never got the champ on the right night in the right place, the right time, and rode off with the belt. He's just so much better. However, having that piece of gold wrapped around your waist does crazy things to your mind. And Sean Strickland's gone from being anywhere at any time. I don't give a fuck. I'm Sean Strickland. I'll fight anyone, win, lose, or draw. To being like, I'm the man. I've just battered Adesanya in my mind. And I can batter anyone. And I think that might psychologically take Strickland's level from being a Decent level middleweight, a top contender, but technically not good enough for the next level to jump up a level to be like, bump, I am the man. Being the having that belt wrapped around your waist gives you a new level of confidence, and that's what makes this fight intriguing. Strickland's confidence is through the roof, and Duplessis, even though I think Duplessis a much better fighter in all areas, Strickland's confidence is going to be on a completely different level, and that's why I think this fight's fascinating. I don't think lightning strikes twice, mate. You think Drick is No, because he's <laughs> tough. You know, he's tough and he he's good at what he does. We haven't seen him. He's never really been forced to grapple Sean Strickland, has he? You know, he stands there and he fights and he has the Philly shell and his timing's really good. He's got an unorthodox way of throwing his shots and it's very effective. We saw him against Alex Pereira, and Alex Pereira said, well, that's my game as well, mate. Watch this. Bang. And uh, and knocked him out. I think Drikus Duplessis is far more well-rounded um, a fighter that Sean has probably come up, up, up across recently. And I think that there will be grappling exchanges. So, I mean, I'm interested to see, does Drikus, he's going to stand, they're going to have a bit of a go, right? But does then yeah. Drikus go, okay, I'll show you my elite wrestling, and he's got great wrestling. But the jujitsu side of that grappling exchange is you would favor Sean Strickland. But he's never I don't been know, you know, for- jujitsu is legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's good. It's good. But Sean Strickland's never been forced to show it, has he? Oh, yeah. So so force him. Let, let's see, let's see what that's all about. So I'm interested in that element of it. I just we listen, when you're around people, you get a vibe, don't you? And um been lucky to be around Drickers on a couple of occasions. Obviously, when he fought Till, we were around him that week. We were around him the week that he beat uh, Robert Whittaker. He's a, he's a special dude, man. He's got um, he's got some of that little gold dust that floats around him. And and when he speaks, you kind of 
you, you know, you, you kind of feel what it, what he, what he's feeling. I, I, I don't think he's going to be denied this weekend. He will find a way, whatever way it is, whether it's on the hands, the feet, on the mat, whatever it may be. Drickus Duplessis will be crowned middleweight champion. I think come Sunday morning. Yeah, listen, I, I, I find it hard to disagree with you for everything I've just said. I think Drickus is a better fighter, but I think Strickland will come in the best. We'll see the best version of Sean Strickland we've ever seen. Is that good enough to beat the best version of Drickus Duplessis? I don't believe it is. Is it enough to beat a version of Drickus Duplessis that, you know, was almost stopped against Derek Brunson, that was, you know, ran out of ideas and gassed, out, gassed a little bit against Darren Till at times? Is it good enough to beat that guy? Mate, yeah, mate. mate he were, come on. He beat Till and he beat Brunson uh, relatively was- comfortably. Yeah, but he beat them both comfortably. He nearly got stopped in the first round against Brunson. Brunson battered him in the first round. Anyway, regardless, the difference now is, though, we're not factoring in that after, before the Rob Whittaker fight, Drickus had that nose operation. He he said, I'd never been able to breathe. And before Rob, he finally had that operation. He took the fight with Brunson, even though he said, I'm going to get the operation. He went, what about Brunson? He went, fuck it, I'll do Brunson, then I'm getting the operation. So against Brunson, he was struggling. He says with his breathing, like he has been his entire career. Then he turns up to face Rob and he's like, by the way, guys, I've had the operation. I can actually breathe through my nose. Get ready for me going to the next level. And what did he do? He went to the absolute next right. level. He looked right. phenomenal against Robert Whittaker. So you can't factor in the pre-Robert Whittaker version of, of Drickers that did have I a agree. habit of being sloppy and getting tired in there. You can only factor in this new version of Drickers who who can actually breathe, who did that to Robert Whittaker. And I'm like, oh, shit. If that is the truth, that's the best middleweight on the planet, certainly right now. That's why I was so intrigued about Izzy. Oh, my God, look what he's just done to Rob. Jesus Christ. He's a finisher, Drickers. He's an absolute finisher. On the ground, his submission game is really strong. There's a footage that went around this week of him going, he did like a Polaris event where he was in one team and there was a Gracie Barrett team on the other side. And it's one of those events where you get one-on-one, you get in, you sub the guy, the guy who got sub goes out and you stay in. They bring the next team member in and you have five yeah, on each yeah, yeah. team. Winner stays on. Keeps, yeah, winner stays on, basically. Dricker stayed on and beat the entire fuck, submitted the entire team from Gracie Barrett. So his jiu-jitsu is absolutely legit. Don't worry about that. So I, I just think, Yes, I'm all in on Drickus. I think Drickus, I said it on the on the TNT show, I think he takes that belt back to South Africa. He becomes the first EFC Africa champion, KSW champion, and UFC champion, and really starts defining his own legacy. But don't write Strickland off. Us Brits, we've made a habit of writing Strickland off. I thought Luke Barnett would beat Strickland back in the day. He became the first guy to defeat Luke Barnett. I thought Tom Breeze was going to make him part of his scalp. He became the first guy to defeat Tom Breeze. And we know what happened to Tom's career in the aftermath. He went in against Jack Marshman, who we thought was going to be Wales' first <laughs> UFC title contender. Not only did he beat Jack Marshman, he retired Jack Marshman. You know, Strickland has got that unusual Philly Shell sparring partner kind of mentality. But he's got big wins there over Brits that we had expectations on. Yeah, he's got a knockout win over Brendan Allen, which has aged like a fine wine. Brendan Allen looks like, you know, he could go on and achieve big things now. So he's no joke, Strickland. And as I say, I'm expecting the best version of Strickland. But all that said, I'm with you. The best version of Sean Strickland doesn't beat this version of Jickers Duplessis. No way. Hmm. Uh, vacant title in the co-main event, Pennington versus Bueno Silva. Pennington won the last five since losing to Holly Holm. There's only one finish in that five. Uh, the rest have gone uh, the way of the decision. Bueno Silva, uh, well, she had, let's just say, an adverse finding. Is that what we're referring to them as? Uh, and therefore, had a win against Holly Holm overturned. Uh, there's no real notable wins on there for, uh, for Bueno Silva, if we're dead honest about it. Pennington's been in with a higher level competition. She's fallen short against that higher level competition. 
I think it's an even matchup this weekend. And it kind of breeds a little bit of new life into this division that was dominated by Amanda Nunes for such a long period of time. There are some contenders knocking about. I knew, I know that uh, Peña's been chirping up this week. She's all over it. I know that she'll be cage side as well, chirping up throughout the whole course of the week. Uh, but Pennington versus Buena Silva. It feels like, to me, a moment for Pennington to, to come of age. But there's still a lot of questions in and around Bueno Silva, of which we've seen it before, haven't we? We've seen these girls that have been there, done it, got the T-shirt, fallen short before, and then get an opportunity against maybe an up-and-comer where then they are the favourite going into the fight. But the up-and-comer is actually mustard. The, the up-and-comer hasn't been tested before to, to any particular level, and they come in and really show that level uh, when, it, when it really matters. Uh, there's a lot of people favouring uh, Myra Bueno Silva going into this fight. But I hope Raquel Pennington can pull it off because she served the Jews and, yeah. and I hope that she gets her moment. Yeah, this is uh, this will be her 18th fight in the UFC. You know, she debuted after Tough 19 in 2013. So she's been wow. in the UFC 11 years, man. And in all that time as well, she's only been stopped once. She's 12 and 5 in the UFC, but only once has she been stopped. And that was against Amanda Nunes. She's in 5 and 0 form right now, as you say. This is the time. There ain't no other time for Raquel Pennington. She's 35 years of age. This is the opportunity she's been waiting for. Pena's out of the frame. This could be the chance for one of these girls to start the new, a new chapter in the history of the UFC bantamweight division after being dominated so long by Nunes. And of course, this is the glamour division in the women's fight uh, UFC because of the history of Ronda and Holly and Misha. Uh, that this is this is this is where the glamour the glamour's at. So it needs to come back. It it's hardly the sexiest fight in the world. Let's be honest. Where did even Bueno Silva herself came out and went? Nobody cares about our fight. Nobody wants to watch us. Nobody knows who we are. Well, all that can change by being the superstar in a main event. Just to put some light on the Bueno Silva situation because it is weird. So she was she popped out. She beat Holly Holm. She, she had a ninja choke against Holly Holm, uh, which was the best win of her career. But it was overturned after she was she popped hot and she popped hot for Ritalin, and she she went and sat with the Nevada State Athletic Commission or whoever it was the, one of the commissions, uh, whatever that fight was, and she explained the fact that she's on Ritalin to control her ADHD, and she had a um, what do we call it a doctor's prescription a prescription yeah. for it you know blah blah blah. UE. It she had a she, yeah. it have a TUE, but it wasn't in. It was exempt or whatever it might be, yeah, but yeah. she she successfully proved the fact that listen, I'm on Ritalin. This is the reason why it's to control my a mental disorder that I've got. Uh, I'm sorry I've popped off for it, blah blah blah, and that's why they basically said, right, what we'll do is we'll just give you a four month ban then, a, a very much a reduced ban, but for whatever reason, maybe if because she never declared it in time or whatever, we are going to overturn the Holly Hum result to a no contest. So. That's why she was penalized for it in one way, but not penalized, i.e., just a token four month ban, and why she's coming off the back of that, going straight into a vacant title fight, which is a little bit weird when you think there's other potential girls in this bantamweight division that haven't popped for anything that mm. could step in. But again, she's popped off for something that she's previously declared that she's got a TUE for, just to kind of explain that little minefield. Um, it's going to be an interesting one for Bueno Silva. Because an entire UFC career, uh, all eight fights have been have been behind closed doors. They've been at the apex. The her first fight was that first show in Brazil, if you remember, right uh, yeah. on lockdown. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, went, yeah. right, we're just gonna crack on, even though the world's got COVID, we're gonna crack on and do this show, then get the fuck out of town. But no fans are allowed in the arena. And they did an empty arena show in Brazil. That was that was her first fight, I think. And then after that, she's done seven Apex cards. So she's never actually fought in front of a crowd. So hopefully there'll be a big crowd in Toronto for her because that's going to be something very different. But if you're going to win a world title, who the fuck wants to do it at the Apex? You want to do it in front of fans. But that might just might just impact on Bueno Silva. This is only her 14th professional fight. Eight have been behind closed doors. So she's only had six in front of fans. Back in Brazil as well, which probably very much lower level. So she's probably never fought in front of. Again, apologize if there's a, if it was a jungle fight or something. Probably never fought in front of more than a couple of hundred people. 
And here she is potentially walking out in front of 20,000 in a co-main event fighting for the UFC bantamweight title. What a fucking experience she's about to have. Mm. Uh, how much do you feel for Neil Magny? He's just uh, coming off the back of a, a, of a big loss to Ian Gary. Ian Gary put on an absolute clinic against Neil Gary, yeah. uh, Neil Magny. Uh, and he's come back fight. He's straight back in with the man that they're referring to as uh, the new version of Georges St-Pierre. That's right, uh, Mike Mallott, who uh, spent a, a career coaching people. He's had a little bit of a dip in every now and again when it comes to the professional ranks, but he's taken to the UFC like a duck to water. Don't get me wrong. It's a massive step up uh, for Mallott. We, we've uh, we've seen him like against Fugit last time out. Great fight. Yeah. He came through and showed what he's all about, but we're... We're talking about a man in Neil Magny who's ranked, been there, done it, got the T-shirt, been in with the very, very best. This is a step up for Mallot, but everybody in Canada that I speak to says to me, this is the guy, man. He is absolutely the business. It feels like a bit of a coming out party moment for him in front of his, and it is legitimately his own fans because he's from uh, Ontario himself, isn't he? So he'll be uh, in front of his uh, friends and family at the weekend when he takes on Neil Magny. Yeah. It's it's exactly what it is, but Neil Magny's used to it, isn't he? He's used to being the setup guy. He's used to being the guy that goes into hometowns and takes on the next big thing. And unless you are legitimately the next big thing, i.e. Mr. Ian Gary, you're going to get beat by Neil Magny because that's what Neil Magny does. That's why he's the gatekeeper. That's why he's ranked number 13 in the world because he holds the key to the top 10 and in a lot of ways, the key to the top 15. So... You're right, it's a big step up for Mike Mallott. He hasn't put a foot wrong. Team Alpha Male striking coach, solid record. It's 10 1 and 1, all finishes. The thing is, while he's Team Alpha Male striking coach, he's actually got more submission finishes than he has knockouts, which is mental as well. So he's, he, listen, he's, he's fully rounded. He's absolutely capable everywhere. The only thing going in Neil Magny's favor is he hasn't um, won back-to-back back since 2020, but he hasn't lost back-to-back back in that time either. It's all win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And he's coming off a loss. So that would suggest Neil's look at ready you, look for at, a win. Look at you, MMA math patterns. <laughs> Love that. He's got it. He's, he's due a win. He's due mm. a win. And what a, what a win it would be, by the way. Jesus Christ, that would silence the crowd. Yeah. Um, it's always good to have a bit of local talent as well on these uh, main cards. Mark andre Barrio, he's uh, taking on Chris Curtis, the action man who had a little bit of a bad year last year because he got beat off Kelvin Gastelum. He had that no contest with uh, Imovov. He had the Hernandez fight that fell off. So 2023 is kind of a write-off uh, for, for Chris Curtis. He's looking to start afresh in 2024. Um, in, in, in total contrast, uh, Mark andre Barrio had a really good 2023. He had two great wins in there against uh, Marquez and Anders. Um, these are two strikers, man. They just like to throw hands. Um, yeah. I don't think either of them are going to have to chase the other one around uh, the octagon. I think they're going to meet each other in the middle uh, and they're going to have a little bit of a goal, which suits Chris Curtis's style, absolutely. It most certainly suits uh, Marc-Andre Barrio's style. I think there's going to be a knockout in here and the performance bonus is going to come somebody's way. It's who lands who on who first. Uh, Chris Curtis is a sparring partner, of course, of uh, Sean Strickland, working very, very hard with him. Uh, yeah. And Mark andre Barrio, being a Canadian in front of Canadian fans, is going to get that extra 10% pop from the fans. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, could be a cracker, this one. Yeah, I think Chris Curtis as well. Again, an extra 10%, as you say, from working with, with Strickland. There's a lot to be said when the guy across the mats that you've trained with for years, that you've sparred with for years, suddenly gets to the summit. Because suddenly then you go, huh, we're the same age, similar experience. I'm with him every day, and I'm with him, hanging with him every day, and he's now the best in the world. That's what Chris Curtis can tell himself. He's the guy. He's the UFC champion. If he's there, I can get there. Yeah. And that might give him an extra 10% going into this fight to go, right, let's put last year behind me. Let's really go for it this year and put me foot down. And he's got the perfect opponents, as you say, Power Bar Barrio, who him and Chris Curtis are almost the same guy. You know, they've got... He hasn't got the same level of experience as Chris Curtis, but they've got lots of wins with a fair amount of losses. 
Neither of them, I think they've, they've both got one submission win in their entire careers. <laughs> hey, they don't, they're they're both... not going on the mat. They don't give are a they? shit about that. Are they're having they? a fucking fight. Exactly. And I think they're both around the 65, 70% knockout ratio, 60, 60, 65% knockout ratio. So they've both got decent power as well. They're going to stand. They're going to bang. Barrio's coming off a fight of the night victory over Eric Anders, which bagged him yeah. an extra 50 grand. You've got Curtis looking to put last year behind them and get some money in the bank. This is my sleeper for fight of the night, man. They're just going to fly at each other. How um, how technical and how tense is Arnold Allen versus Mosvar Evloev going to be? They're the same guy. I've just thought Mate, about Curtis uh, and Barrio being the same guy. These are the same guy. Have you seen that Spider-Man thing where they're just looking at each other like that? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's this that is this fight <laughs> I don't know about you mate but this comes down to takedown defence for me where is and at what level is Arnold Allen at everything, everything points to him being at the elite level and if he yeah. is bang on his game with his takedown defence which is in and around 70 odd percent then and he can keep this fight on its feet I think he's better than Evloev on the feet that's just my own... Listen, Everywhere's brilliant, but I think Arnold Allen is better than him on his feet. Everywhere might be a better grappler. Like yeah. Can Arnie keep it on the feet? I think he can. So I'm backing the boy to come through on points because these two are hard as fuck and I think it's going to be... It's going to be so technically beautiful to watch. If you're a proper savant of elite-level mixed martial arts. This is your fight. It's weird. Because these two are absolutely mustard. Yeah, you'd, you'd imagine both of them would be very disappointed in their careers if they both didn't at one stage challenge for the UFC gold because they're both so good. Right now, it's about who's further along. You know, Arnold can't afford to lose to Ivlowev because he's no. had his chance. He went 12 and 0 in the UFC. He went 12 and 0 form, including his UFC, moving into the UFC. He had to wait more, longer than most to get his big opportunity and finally got his big opportunity last year against Max Holloway, the former champion, in a final eliminator. And he fell short. He loses on points to Max. But the problem there is when you're working that way and you finally get there and you fall short, you've then got to look below you because now you're someone else's fodder to, for them to get to that opportunity. And you've got to fend that off to make sure you stay where you are. And that's the issue he's got now with Movsar, because Movsar is Arnold Allen from two years ago, 12 months ago. That's desperate for that opportunity for the shot at the top five. They both had to do it the hard way for an obvious reason. Max is just... Uh, Arnold just is not busy enough. You know, he's had 11 fights in nine years in the UFC. That's why it's taken so long. He's just not active enough at all. Meanwhile, Movzar, while he's been a little bit more active, he's only he's had seven fights, all wins, of course, because he's undefeated in 17. But he's had seven fights since he joined the UFC in 2019. That's seven fights in, hard to say, four years, but, you know, three and a bit years. He'd like to see him be a bit more busy as well. The other issue Movzar's got is every single one of those seven wins has been on points. Yeah, and while he's while you watch him, and most of those fights have been unanimous decisions, he very rarely loses rounds. Obviously, he's undefeated, but when you watch those fights, they can be a little bit of a hard watch. He isn't looking to finish. He isn't looking to pull the trigger. His boxing's outstanding. His grappling is, you know, I've, I've heard some people say it's the best in the featherweight division, but regardless, when he's in heavy grappling situations, when he's flying on the feet with his boxing. Yeah. He never looks like he's about to finish anybody. And that's what's holding him back. This is an entertainment business. And Movzar's just not entertaining enough. I think in this fight with Arnold Allen, he's going to have to take other chances. I think Arnold will win rounds against him, potentially be on the next on a level above him. And it's up to Movzar to, to step up and make that a step. I, I think over three rounds, this is as fascinating as any fight on the card. Because I really rate Movzar Ivluev, but I believe Arnie is ahead of him, and I believe Arnie can become UFC champion. The right opponent, the right time, the right place, of course. But this is the biggest threat he's got because Movzar doesn't bring the the glamour and the glory and the and the name value as a lot of the guys in the featherweight division. He's king of the who needs me club, Movzar Ivluev. Mm. Let's be honest. 
because he's got no name value and he's fucking brilliant and he's 17 and 0. And chances are he's going to beat you, but he's going to grind you out. So he ain't getting a bonus either. So it's a weird fucking opponent to face. It's a tough one for Arnie. I think he comes through it. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's a mega fight. Yeah. Sam Patterson's back. First one since obviously the Ash Moose knockout at UFC London. Still sends uh, a chill through my spine. That yeah, knockout. it was a bad one. <laughs> it was a, it was a bad one, but he's uh, he's took a little bit of a breath. He had a fight booked, if you remember, last year, which fell off. Which I think he's a kind of a blessing in disguise. That's a bad knockout. Take a little bit of extra time. Just get yourself straight. Get yourself into a proper camp and get yourself uh, buzzed up for for this. It's uh, the featured early prelim. Uh, Sam Patterson back in and we wish him uh, all the best. He's a very, very talented lad and it's such a shame that that's his first experience of the UFC. Nobody wants that. Hopefully he's over them demons. Hopefully he's put it to one side and uh, hopefully we get to see the true Sam Patterson come uh, come Saturday night and he can uh, he can come through and get himself uh, on the win ladder uh, in the UFC. Um, so keep an eye out for that on the early prelims. Anything else that captures uh, your imagination on the prelims? Uh, no, just the, obviously, I just wanted to talk add about the Sam Patterson thing. Because obviously, he did get, he, he got the dream debut, didn't he? The dream debut is in London, in your hometown, regardless of opponents. Like, that's, that's what everyone dreams of to get their UFC debut in their hometown, in front of the family and friends. You've worked your entire career to get it. You're finally here now, kid. Let's go. And, and Sam was 10 unbeaten into the UFC. You know, he had the rear naked choke win on doing the White Contender Series. And it was all putting in the right direction. We got to spend some time with him in London during the fight week. I remember having a chat with him and I was like, man, he's a really intelligent kid. He's you yeah. know, really I thinking thought- about his career, really thinking about where he's going. He's got a real cerebral look at his and his training and everything else. And I'm like, wow, you're really an interesting character. I really can't wait for you to hit the ground running. Unfortunately, he runs into Ash Moose with that one-punch knockout, which was just absolutely chilling. And they're difficult, them ones. You know, and that's two. That's the second loss on Sam's career. Now, the other loss was a first-round knockout as well. Hopefully, that's just a coincidence. But that extra time away, hopefully, just allows Sam to just bring yourself down. down. Because sometimes the, the moments can get to you as well. You do get excited. You're in that moment. You're at home. You're finally here now. The fucking logo's on the back of your gloves. This is what you've worked for your entire life. That's it. And may, maybe you make a mistake. Maybe you stand a bit squared on. Maybe you, you throw with a puncher when you shouldn't be thrown with a puncher. When you're on a jujitsu guy, you should be going this way. Whatever it may be. The, the good thing about this fight with his opponent, Johan Lanisi, is that Lanisi, it's his turn to be the home guy. So he had his UFC debut uh, and got stopped. And then he's he's had a win on points and he lost again. He got submitted in, in, in February. But this is his first time in his hometown. He's from Quebec. So he's getting what Sam Patterson got on his debut. <laughs> well, Quebec's the other side of Canada, but I get what you're saying. Sorry, he, but he, he's, he's in... <laughs> he's Canadian. You're right, yeah, he's Canadian, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, from, he's from Canada. He's getting the Canada treatment. He'll be the one roared on. He's the one with friends and family in the audience. He's the one that's going to have all that around him and stuff. So and, and I think there's a, a little bit of a hole here, potentially, in his, in, his, in his grappling game, which I think Sam can exploit. It's about let him get... Let, let Johan be the guy caught in the headlights. So to Sam, just to go out there, it's just another cage. It's a matter. That's the UFC. doesn't matter where it is. To him, it's just another cage. Get in there. That guy is going to be living his moments. Pounce on him straight away. I think it's a great opponent. Great location. I'm super excited. That'll probably be on Fight Pass. I don't think it'll make it onto TNT. Yeah. Definitely worth tuning in to watch Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh, There you have it. UFC 297 gets us underway uh, this weekend. Strickland, Duplessis, the main event. Fascinating stuff. Will we have a new... Uh, champion. We've got an opportunity to hear and new on two occasions because obviously we've got a, a vacant title in the co-main event. Last year we heard and new 11 times. Do you reckon we'll get more this year? Well, we could get twice on Saturday. I think we, well, we'll definitely get one. I think we'll get yeah. two and news already yeah. just three weeks into the new year. So there yeah, I think we'll get more. There you go. Um, anyway, 
to find out. Make sure you tune into the fights and then come back and join us on Monday for a full review of UFC 297. And I'm no doubt we'll get stuck into some more uh, MMA news uh, when it drops, as and when. You can uh, subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. Go and get yourself stuck into uh, one of the audio feeds there. Or if you prefer to watch your podcast, you could do it via our webs, via YouTube, should I say. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for on there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.